0: Welcome, friends, to the Life on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Amy Debrick, and I have some exciting news to share with all of you. My first book, Emboldened, will be releasing on April 24th and is now available for pre-sale at barnesandnoble.com and Amazon. My Emboldened book kind of encapsulates the message we're promoting here on the Life on Purpose podcast this year by using our experiences as an opportunity to either be emboldened or to embolden others. I co-wrote this book with my oldest daughter, Blair, and our hope was that women could find the strength and courage to do that after reading this encouragement journal. And as we keep moving ahead in 2021, I want to remind you that it is only with intention that we make things happen in our life. And with that, I'm happy to keep sharing incredible women with you and what they are doing to embolden their lives and those around them. As always, I hope you find these conversations inspiring and encouraging to know that no matter what your age or circumstance, you have the power and choice to make a difference and to be emboldened. To learn more about how to get a copy of Emboldened, just visit my website at amydebrick.com and get all the latest news and information there. I hope you enjoy these stories and I look forward to talking to you soon. Well, this morning... On the Life on Purpose podcast, I have the privilege of speaking with Christy Stroud. I'm saying that I'm hesitating on that because we just discussed it and I'm afraid (laughs) that I'm going to screw it up, even though, you know, when you rehearse something in your head. So hopefully that (laughs) came out the way I wanted it to, but um, welcome, Christy. I'm so thrilled to have you on this morning.
1: Thank you so much, Amy.
0: And it was really good. It's really, it's like a practice word. I mean, I should know because my name is Debra and people, I know that all different ways, Debrook, you know, and so
1: I get it. I get it. I used to be a wood. So like W O O D, it was very easy. And then I married a Straub (laughs) and most people say Straub, but it is either way. I know who you're talking to. It's me. It's fine.
0: (laughs) Well, Christy, can you, um, give a little background um, before we dive into this amazing book and resource that you have just um, share a little bit of your story and how you landed here.
1: Yeah, I, um, I am actually Canadian originally. I am um, married to my husband, Josh, whom I love and adore. We've been married 11 years. Um, we have three kids, nine, seven, and three, or, and one, sorry. Um, he is, our 13 month old is what I was thinking in my brain. He, um, is our little gift, our added on blessing. Um, that's a whole God story in and of itself, but, um, we live just outside Nashville, Tennessee, and we run an organization called famous at home. And we have the privilege of working with a whole lot of families who are incredible, who are doing great stuff in the world. And who know that the greatest red carpet they will ever walk is through their front door Mm -hmm. and they want to maintain the marriage that's solid and established and lasting and friendships and um, just beautiful relationships with their children. And they know that what they do on their stages, whether that's military or if you're in entertainment or business. Um, It takes a toll and it also has a lot more sparkle than the things, the, you know, hidden things that we do inside our home and in those treasured relationships. So we, my husband and I, um, are just honored to be able to, we do writing and speaking and podcasting and host events, um, for leaders all over the world. And, um, we love it.
0: I love that title of famous at home. Yeah. Don't think about that. You know, you don't, you, when you think of fame, unless you are a famous person, I guess, or, or somebody who would be labeled as a famous person, you don't really think about how that can look in your own home. And so I love that you're not only starting there, but you're, you're already, um, speaking that, that space for what it is and and how you want to create it. I think that that's great. I love
1: it. Yeah. It's just, it's so contrary, you know, to the culture of the world, but you realize And even in that statement, like people get it. It's like, oh yeah, like at the end of my life, that's what I want to be known for. And yet, I mean, especially I think as women, we're so distracted by the, I mean, look at social media, look at like all these platforms that we could be famous on, that we could try to get worth and identity from and realizing it's just a series of choices that we are constantly given. And when we choose well and thoughtfully and intentionally it's heading us in a path that's just very different than when we sort of absorb the culture around us.
0: Right. It's funny that you said that because today in one of my posts, I talk about, cause I have a speaker that's, um, I'm airing her episode tomorrow and mm. she talked about abundance and what that looks like. Mm. And um, it, you know, it's, it's such a it's such a packed word, isn't it? Of mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. what that looks like for everybody, but really until you kind of simplify it down, it doesn't have to be some big elaborate, whatever. It's almost kind of like what you're speaking to. It, it's in those simple moments of, of living well or yeah. loving well um, in your day-to-day life or interactions with people. So yeah. um, I think that that's great. And I love that. And I love, and I cannot wait to dive into this book. And I, I told... Christy, this before we even started recording that I needed this book. This she wrote this book for me um, <laughs> 45 years ago before she was even was, born.
1: It was definitely <laughs> this before I was born. It's fun. I was just a little late to the party.
0: Yeah, she was just late to the party. But um
1: <laughs> this book, I really
0: just I I can't tell you how much um I appreciate it. Not only in, and I was sharing a little bit of my testimony. And for those of you who, you know, listened to my podcast before, know a little bit about that um, struggle with anxiety and fear, but, you know, it started as a young child and being that worrier and, and it's labeled as just a worrier, but I think what people miss, and I'm sure you see this, Christy, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons you created it is that the worrier child can develop into something bigger and greater with that worry. Um, Especially if you have something significant, um, tragic or whatever that unfolds that you're not Mm -hmm. expecting. And that was the case for me. And that led to those years of um, what started as worry or simple worry was severe anxiety. And so I think that this book is just incredible because Um, it's funny in the stuff that I've shared, I've actually had people reach out to me and say, do you have anything for my kids?
1: Wow. And you know, it's it's
0: sometimes hard to break your situation down so many years later as an adult, um, to really be relatable for a child. And so that's why I love this. And her book is Mm -hmm. what do I do with worry? And it couldn't be any more, um, simplistic in the name as far as like what it's about, but that's what we need. You know, that's just the yeah. audience. We don't need something overly complicated. We need them to really get to the basics. So I would love you to talk a little bit, what led you personally to write this with your husband and, yeah. um, and how that went.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We, so we're counselors by trade and education. And so our background is seeing things through the eyes of what, what it emotion what um, i mean in our relationships our deepest relationships and when we look at families today and we see what they're struggling with and there's a gamut of things obviously but what is coming to the forefront and what we're seeing in epidemic numbers is worry that's both in children and in, in adults and so we had written a previous book called what am i feeling and that is sort of like the umbrella book which kind of covers all the feelings which just um I think it's really helpful and that it helps give language, especially to us parents and how to talk to our kids about feelings. Mm-hmm. because so often we were trained and raised in, and a lot of us were raised in homes where maybe emotion wasn't allowed or certain emotions weren't allowed. They were either dismissed, they could be punished um, because it's seen as weakness or it's seen as defiance or rebellion in some way when really it's just a run-of-the-mill emotion that we all feel. And worry is one of those ones that is starting to really run rampant in a, in a generation. And it doesn't have to, because like you said, it's just real simple tools that we wrote into in kid language, but that as adults, we need to. It's not overly complicated. It's difficult. It is because it's so, and, and you think about feelings for kids, you know, when we teach kids about colors, you know, the color red is something they can see. It's, it's a tangible construct that they'll learn, but a feeling is something that's far more abstract because they actually feel it in their body. And until they start to give language around that. And that's why even in this book, what we talk about is, is literally naming the worry. And so we, I was sitting one morning, um, at my, my little desk in the back of the house, it faces our little bird feeders. And I've become the like lady that loves to watch birds. And I'm totally cool with it. Like I just said to my family, if I buy like the bird watching hat, you know, like then you can stage an intervention, but leave me with my birds. They're so precious anyway. And I was sitting there and I'm watching these little birds come and I, and I realized worry is somewhat like a bird. It flits. To and fro. It comes, there's no predictability. You don't know when it's gonna come, when it's gonna go. But we also but we try to control it. We try to hold on to it. And actually the tighter we hold on to it, the more out of control we feel. Because it's like what worry actually feels like in your body. Where I remember our son, um, when he was little, um, he was attending a school and he he put words to it. He said, Mommy, I feel flippy in my tummy. And that was what worry felt like. That's what fear essentially felt like to him. And so to give kids a language and also a visual of what they can do with worry. And one of that really simply is literally to just name it. And it usually starts with what if it's what if, and we fill in the blank with a whole lot of scary things because we're wanting to have some semblance of control over our life. And even as a child, you realize early on you don't and we can't. And yet if we're not able to put language, it actually, in terms of neuroscience, it's again, really simple tools, but really profound in how it actually helps us in in our brain structure neurobiologically. If we can start to put language to what we're experiencing, it marries the left and the right side of the brain, and it forms this. The corpus callosum is what they call like the sort of the binding of the book, which comes down the middle of the brain. And when you can put language to what you're feeling, it's like you're putting a coherent story together. You're marrying what you're feeling with with language of what you're saying is happening. And when you can do that with a trusted person, a mom or dad or grandma or friend, and in this story we use grandma because. Um, we, it's super powerful to realize there are trusted and incredible people that God puts in our life and we need to be able to depend on them and to use them to help us walk out our worry.
0: Right. Well, I love that you used a grandparent in the sense just that it can also be somebody outside of, you know, your, your parents, because Mm -hmm. I do think sometimes too, with younger kids is sometimes there's a level of feeling embarrassed I I can tell this person that, but I I would feel funny telling, you know, mom and dad that, or or I don't want them to know that or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that just opens another level of trust and confidence in the fact that they can share with somebody and, and also that the parents are okay with that. Like if Mm -hmm. you, if you feel, and we've said this to our, our children, you know, now that they're getting into adult age, you know, if there's something that you feel more comfortable sharing with them. First, or them in general, share it. Don't not share it because maybe right. you feel funny sharing it with me or my husband or whatever the case may be, but definitely share it because you know that mm-hmm. they love you, they care about you, and there is something to be said for that. Um, and I also really appreciate, and we did this in a book that my daughter and I just released in April, is identifying that fear. I agree mm-hmm. with you, Christine. Mm-hmm. I think that there is so much impact on being able to just say it or write it Mm -hmm. to remove some of the power of it. And again, a tool that I think that for young kids, I mean, not only just for, you know, I, I mean, I had tragic things happen into adulthood, but even just this with COVID, I mean, that's scary for, for kids who's going to get sick. Who's not that I know, is it going to be my mom or my grandmother or grandfather? And so there's, and I agree with you, there's, there's so many components of that. I feel like even more so when we, when I was younger, Yeah. that I think it's a nice way to be able to have a discussion, but let them name it and, and yeah. let them get that out, up and out. And I do think there's something freeing about that. It, it, it's not going to Absolutely. necessarily immediately change it, but it does make it powerless when you can, when you can get it out there.
1: Right. And I think too, what it's doing is it's telling the parent. And so typically just like anything, it's filtered down, you know, the generational lines. So if you have a child who's struggling with anxiety, it is more likely so that you have yourself either currently or in the past struggled with anxiety because of that. Often as parents, we are so triggered by those feelings. So that feeling of fear or worry, when we see it in our kids, we are so afraid Mm. of what, I mean, if it's been depression, it's when you see sadness in your child and it's fear that's triggered because we know what that road can look like. But the the difficulty is, is we're putting that fear lens then on our child. And when they could just be feeling just just like anyone, right? Like if we look at emotional health, what true emotional health is, it's just being able to feel the whole range of emotion and to come in and out of those emotions. So that, and that's the typically labeled negative emotions all the way to the, you know, the ones that we love, the happiness and joy, right? But the fear and sadness, the anger, things that we just, we don't really like to feel ourselves. And we certainly feel uncomfortable when other people feel it near us. Right? Um, As parents, we kind of shut down often in those moments we either you know like i mentioned earlier we can punish it away like where we discipline it where and, and sometimes 100% is it disobedience yes but i one one example in in our home was my daughter who was um came home we were at a birthday party came home and i i mean she was off and by off i mean like beginning to become defiant like it appeared defiance it, to my husband and I, that we were like, "What is wrong with this kid?" Like, not, not actually typical for her. We have right. other really strong-willed kids in this house, but she's not that one. And so we thought, like, I mean, we've got it. W- w- what influence was at that party? Like, we've got to discipline this. But at bedtime, I mean, she was not responding to discipline. She was. It was very interesting, like odd. It was odd and out of character. So at bedtime, which I think is the most precious time of the day sitting in her bedroom, which is where a child is most vulnerable and open. And I know we love rushing bedtime because we're so done at the end of the day, but if we can pause for a few minutes, the gold you can mine out of that time is powerful, especially for a child who worries. And so I got her to open up and we talked about in our, what am I feeling book? We have a feelings chart, which is just a chart with all the faces um, of the most basic feelings. Um, And so often kids can't like they have to learn to be able to recognize what a face looks like and label that with an emotion so that they can start to recognize that not just in themselves, but when they see it in other people. Um, and that's the beginnings of empathy. And so we were, we went over the feelings chart and I was like, honey, what is going on? Like, what is, what is happening? I said, can you point to what you're feeling right now? And she went to anger first. And I said, what's behind that? Because anger is usually secondary emotion. And she pointed and it was sadness and then embarrassment. Mm. And she started to cry. And then the story started to spill out of how two of the girls at the party had gone into a bedroom and slammed the door on her and told her that she was not allowed to come in and play with them. And what we were observing as defiance was nothing other than rejection. It was embarrassment. It was sadness. But when we don't take the time, and this is not a shame thing as parents, because we have a whole lot on our plates, but when we can take the time to dig in a little deeper, so often we'll find that there is a much more tender emotion that's going on there. And for for little girls like her, and truthfully, when we're talking about worry, kids who worry tend to be some of the most responsible soft hearted, tender hearted kids. And the reason they worry is because they're so aware of what's going on around them and they care so deeply. And so these are the world changers. These are the kids who truly are um, passionate. They are um, sensitive. Yes, but not in a bad way in a gifting type of way. And so the more we can just give them tools and as parents take the pressure off of ourselves, our job is not to fix it. Our job is not to take the worry away. Our job is not to tell them that there's something wrong with them, that there's something to fear, or even that worry in itself is wrong. It's to give them the tools so that when they encounter something that they could, you know, fear is, because fear is situational. Fear is something that happens and we can get rid of when the situation, you know, resolves worry is so somewhat in the middle it sticks around a little longer anxiety like you were talking about amy that's when we just loop like that's when it becomes a chronic yep. loop that does not stop right um so it is and it is helpful to talk about the the differences between the two um and even as parents so we can look at our kids and recognize like oh okay i think that's just a fear that and that's mm-hmm. okay Or, okay, this is becoming a worry where it's a more chronic thing where you ask questions and it keeps coming up. Um, And you might see that in a child by the questions they're asking. If it's repetitive questions um, and anxiety moves into something where it's affecting their everyday behavior. Like it is, it has not left. It will not leave even when situations resolve. And so sometimes that's helpful just to, Clarify because I think we yeah. often use the words, you know, simultaneously and interchangeably. Um, but when we're speaking about worry specifically, um, that is something that we as parents, we certainly can pray for our kids as they're experiencing, but also the more practical tools and, and language we can give them surrounding it so that they realize there's nothing to be afraid of here. But mom and dad can help me learn how to walk through this. And like you said, if you'd known as a kid, just to had a few tools right? and who knows what difference that might have made in your life. But the gift of it is that these tools are so accessible. And even in the book, as we try to break it down, um, this is like, you know, we're talking like four to eight. If we can talk to them in that range, uh, we can get ahead of this in a lot of ways so, so that they feel equipped walking into school. They feel equipped going into, you know, beginning these new friendships on their own, that um, they've got what it takes.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so many things I can unpack in what you had just said, starting with um, those discussions um, at mm-hmm. night or whenever they happen. I, and I agree with you. If you have the moment and listen with four kids, you know, with three kids, yes. I mean, bedtime, you want to, you want to wrap it up, but oh,
1: it's like, toss them in. Bless you. See you in the morning. I know we, and now we homeschool. So like, I'm literally with them all day. So it's like, we're good. We've said a lot yeah. of words today. We're yeah. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: But I do, but I do think that there is something to be said for that. And, and, and at the very least, I guess it's more me being intentional. And like you said, kind of paying attention, like with your daughter, that particular day was out of character for her, Mm -hmm. something was off. So maybe it's not going to be every night. We're going to be on our a game with, you know, how we approach bedtime or those quiet times, but paying attention to when those conversations need to be had. You know, I yeah. love that. And I think too, with um with kids being able to just um address their fear and not be because I know what you were saying in regards to it's funny that you worded it this way, with 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 parents sometimes too, because for me, for example, you know, having somebody or being somebody who had a severe anxiety, I don't so much anymore. But when I would when I see those moments in my kids. Yep.
1: I panic.
0: yes. Yeah. I, I yeah. panic and, um, I'm better now. And I think part of that's age, part of that's my own health. Um, as far as my growth with anxiety and surrendering and all of that, but initially you panic because you don't want to see that repeated. Yeah. You don't want to see them yeah. having to deal with that pain, that struggle. And so there, there are a couple of approaches. It's either a hands-off or it's a very abrupt and I've done both, Mm -hmm. or you're, you're almost cutting it off because you don't want, you almost don't want them to acknowledge it because you you're afraid it's going to run away, which But I love that you kind of acknowledge and recognize that it doesn't have to, you can still have the discussions that they need to have. And if anything, it's going to do the opposite. If you're, if you can nip it early on in and call those things out and, and write them down or speak them, you don't have to, you don't have to worry. You you can, you know, we're kind of then taking theirs on, but really we could kind of just nip it. And, you know, it's interesting because obviously this, this is a kid book. But if in the same token, the steps, and I love this poster, adorable, to hang in every kid's bedroom. Yeah, um, yeah. The steps are so basic, but could mm-hmm. be relevant till you're however many That's years it. old. You know yes. what I mean? You can translate yeah. this into, we overcomplicate things, but the, the yep. basis of worry, and I also appreciated that you saying, I do think that we should also um, have conversations in, and talk about definitions of worry and anxiety, because there is a, a, a vast difference. Yeah. And, and it's just one thing really kind of spiraling out of control, but they're not necessarily equal and they don't have to ever be equal, but yeah. you know, the, this chart, you know, you're starting with naming your worry, which we all mm-hmm. should be doing. I mean, even me as an adult, like one of the things, one of the coping mechanisms that I, uh, um, after surrendering and just um, kind of adapting and, and adopting new good practices was putting a, a notepad and pen at my bedside because bedtime always it seems when yes. your mind runs rampant, everything is still, but your mind kind of ramps up and jotting something down. So it's like you're kind of saying that in every level, talk to someone and getting it out. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, thanking God for caring enough to hold my worries. That's another big missing piece, I think is we take God out of the equation, out of these really important and um, major things in our life, like worry. And I think the more we put him back in and realize all that he is possible um, that he does and um, what he can handle, which is beyond our capabilities. I think that also creates another level of peace and ease for our kids to know that, okay, well, if God can do all of this, I mean, I can't do that, but he can, then I feel comfortable handing these over to him and having him help me with these worries. And so I just think you've done a beautiful job with the the Mm -hmm. book and how you lay everything out. And I I really appreciate it. And I know like at least three or four moms um, that are younger than me most of them are my age. That's why I'm saying three or four that that really will, um, appreciate it amongst, I'm sure a million more. So, um, I want to thank you so much for, for being on and and sharing this. And I also want to ask you how people can connect with you. I know you guys do a lot of stuff globally and, you know, all around the country and whatever, but is there a way where people can, um, have direct access or contact with you or anything you guys have coming up?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We can go to famousathome.com as our website it has pretty much everything on there, or you can find us on Instagram. I'm just Christy Straub um, on Instagram, or you can find us famous at home on Instagram.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much, Christy. It was such a You're great so conversation, welcome. one that I feel like um, every family needs to have. So I appreciate you being on.
1: Love it. Thank you so much, Amy. Well,
0: that's it for us today. If you want some additional encouragement and resources, please go to my website at amydebrick.com. I look forward to having you meet me back here next week so we can move ahead with your next steps, feeling more confident and hopeful. In the meantime, don't forget to live your life on purpose. Have a wonderful weekend and God bless.